Well, <laughs> <laughs> what just happened to my face? <laughs> the horse had a stroke. <laughs> oh. Wow, that was interesting. We need to I take was, it to the horse vet. <laughs> I was so ready to just like, oh, I'm just going to start the podcast now. That was really interesting. Welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast. This is your host, Corey Cottrell. And of course, we have my, uh, uh, my partner in uh, Saving Democracy, Rio Verdenier. Hey, guys. Uh, who's uh, rocking his, uh, his, his bougie cup, which you might. We're in discussions of just like maybe letting everyone see the glory that is the bougie cup. Uh, and uh, I would tell you that you get to see my bottom half, which is in fact horse, but you can't, so too bad for you. Yeah, uh, no, because it's been off camera this whole time. It has. It's, it's, it's a very uh, it's a secretive sort of – I mean, it's tough, you know, being, being a centaur, uh, you know, because they're, they're, you know, basically illegal in this country, and, and you know how that goes. Uh, okay. Yep. Sometimes it gets too weird too fast. So, so anyway, are all Canadian centaurs? No, 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 no. It's, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you know. Just but your ones. your face is do cut in half when you talk, though, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Can okay. you do Terrence and Philip? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I barely even know Terrence and Philip. <laughs> I do. I did know what you were talking about. Okay. Uh, that yeah. So yeah. Anyway, uh, have you seen Letterkenny? A totally off topic. Uh, no. Okay, you have to watch Letterkenny. It's okay. basically like. Um, you ever heard of like Bob and Doug McKenzie's Great Adventure or whatever the fuck that was the the comedy from Canada back in the 70s 80s I think you, I've seen like two movies from Canada okay. <laughs> that checks out anyway I live in LA man <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that double checks out uh, anyway Leonard Kenny's a, a Leonard perfect, Kenny, all right cool I'll yeah yeah that. it's a perfect way to uh, study two things one uh, Canadian culture and uh, idioms that that are like like hyper nostalgic for me and completely totally goofy, and B the power of the mirror effect, right? Like Trump uses this constantly. He be, just tells people constantly this is the greatest presidency in the history of the world over and over and over and over and over again. And there are about thirty five percent of the people in the country that are like, yeah, no, that checks out. I mean, data not being required or anything. It's actually the same psychological bias that makes a song that you hear on the radio once okay, but a song that you hear on the radio 10 times, five times better, right? It's actually really interesting to hear you say that you take issue with Trump saying that this is the greatest country in the world. Mm. Um, that's, yeah, not, no, this, that's not at all what I said. For the yeah, record. Okay. No, no, stop. Like he keeps saying right, this is the best presidency he's gotten the most done ever of any presidency in the history. Oh, the president. Okay, Having nothing whatsoever to do with this country being the best country on the face of the earth, which is okay, cause it is. at the yeah, very I'm least, not... no, at the very least is arguable. <laughs> All right. Well, what I was, um, what I was going to say is I remember as a conservative watching his um, inaugural speech, right? And it was like American carnage. Yeah, yeah. We're a third world country. Everybody's killing themselves in the inner cities. And everybody in the country is dying of meth overdoses. <laughs> and I was just like, what fucking world do you live in, dude? The U.S. Yeah. is still a pretty damn good place to live. It was actually like very anti-patriotic. Um, yep. Yeah. I think, I think, I think uh, in the words of George W. Bush afterward, that was some weird shit. <laughs> is that what he said? <laughs> he was quoted as saying that at the from, from the preeminent orator himself, George W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> that was some weird shit, man. Oh, man. Yeah, no. So the, 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 this particular comedy uses the mere effect. They basically use the same kind of tropes and jokes over and over and over again. Uh, David Letterman actually explained it this way. He basically said, listen, uh, in a particular monologue, is I'm, I'm going to say one word, 
And when I say it, you're going to laugh just because I'm good at delivering comedy. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to explain how this is going to work and you'll see that this is actually going to be true. This is him telling, telling his crowd and monologue. I'm going to say the word spaghetti. And he waits and people, exactly, people laugh because it doesn't mean anything. They're like, ha why did I just laugh? That's weird. And then he says it again. They're like, I'm going to say it two, three times. By the third time, you're like, I don't know if this is really funny. By the seventh time, you're like, fuck, this is so fucking boring. I want to shoot myself in the face. By the 15th time, everyone in this crowd is going to be laughing. And of course, over the course of eight minutes, that's exactly what happens, right? <laughs> and, and That's like a psychological experiment there. It really, it really is. I mean, the, the mirror effect is, is, is real. And you can watch Trump use it. It's really, I think it's the only tool that whether unconsciously or consciously, he actually uses to great effect. Oh, no, he's a, he's a showman, right? He's like, he, there's actually a long tradition um, in American culture of this. They're like the snake oil salesman yep. who goes around from town to town and he's super charismatic and he only is able to trick the dumbest people in town, which happens to be most of the people in town. He makes a bunch of money and then he moves on to another town by the time people figured out his shtick. That's the reason New Yorkers, including conservative New Yorkers, didn't fall for it because like they knew Trump already. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're a snake oil salesman. You fucked us all over before. We're not going to let you do it again. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So for, uh, uh, yeah, just go watch Letterkenny because then the inside jokes will just be... All right, I'll definitely check it out. There's, there's Should so we get many. to the topic of the episode, maybe? <laughs> yeah, at some point. I mean, we haven't talked in, in a couple weeks. I just, That's I mean, true. We're checking in. Yeah, we, 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 we've been on a hiatus. Yeah, yeah. We've been knocking out episodes on the internet, so y'all don't know that actually Corey and I haven't talked in a while. Yeah, so this is, this is, uh, this is us catching up. Anyway, so we're going to talk about improving the American scorecard, uh, prosperity grants, and uh, the American Mall Act. Um, just these top three. Like, if, if any candidate had just these ideas... Uh, they would be, uh, uh, you know, getting to the same order of magnitude as Yang, but uh, none of them do. Uh, and of course, none of these have to do with the uh, uh, the freedom dividend. So, um, yeah, I would say that that this improving the American scorecard is right up there for me with Medicare for all and uh, ranked choice voting um, as uh, uh, the kind of policies that would would do by far the most damage. And this is the one, he famously talks about this all the time. This is the one, the second he gets elected, he can just go down to the CBP and change this. Like, we're not just going to use GDP anymore. We're actually going to do this and, and, and change the goals uh, and, and, and reorganize the conversation in a way that would be immensely powerful. Anyway, so um, I'll rip through this, then we'll get to the bottom and discuss. So uh, traditionally, the economy has been measured by looking at the gross domestic product, GDP, or the stock market. Employment rates and household income are also used to measure how the average worker is doing. However, even the creator of the GDP admits that it doesn't really reflect the full story. And as economic inequality rises and the fruits of society's labors accrue to fewer individuals, uh, it's become obvious that we need to expand our definition of economic prosperity past a single number. The bottom 80% of Americans only own 8% of stocks, and rising GDP has virtually no relationship with each citizen's well-being. When you measure something, you implicitly set your policy goals. By focusing our measurement on GDP, we've promoted production over all else. It's time to start measuring economic prosperity using a wider index that measures humans as well as monetary indicators, such as, but not limited to, quality of life and health-adjusted life expectancy, happiness, well-being, and mental health, environmental quality, affordability, childhood success rates, underemployment, uh, income inequality, and underemployment, that's huge, income inequality, consumer and student debt, uh, work and civic engagement levels, volunteerism, infant mortality, quality of infrastructure, access to education, marriage and divorce rates, substance, uh, substance abuse and related deaths, and national optimism 
and personal dynamism, economic mobility. Uh, in short, why use GDP as a proxy for how Americans are doing when we can easily measure that well-being directly? Let's start an American scorecard, directly measuring the things we should be focused on. Uh, so a quote from the book, our economic system needs to be updated for a new era. GDP and profitability are increasingly unrelated to how most of us are doing in real life. We need to implement a new set of measures like mental health, happiness, childhood success, and quality adjusted life expectancy that actually indicate our progress as a society and then channel resources to improving them. We don't exist to serve the market. The market exists to serve us, which you'd think would be obvious. Anyway, so, uh, and we'll take these one-on-one -on -one so we can comment here. Uh, so as uh, President Andrew Yang will create the American Scorecard 2, expand our measurement tools to account for other human factors that should be used to determine policy. Any comment on that one? Yeah. Um, okay. So I mean, a couple of things I want to say. One is that I don't entirely buy the premise that GDP growth has nothing to do with the uh, well to do with, with how well the average person is doing. Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> with how the well to do. No, but I mean, actually it has everything to do with how the well to do. do. Right. Um, no, which but is, I mean, which is, you know, not a, not a bias on your part, but except though, maybe a little bit. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with Yang. I'm just trying to provide a little nuanced context for people who might be more skeptical than we are sure. about who, what he has to say. Um, you know, truth be told, GDP doesn't have absolutely nothing to do with the like with with the success of the average person, right? I mean, yeah. The, no, that's that's fair. You, I mean, but if you could choose, if all you knew about a country that you were thinking about living in is what its GDP was, you would pick one with a high one, not one with a low one, right? That's fair. That says That's something. Yeah. But that, that said, um, largely because of automation, but also secondarily somewhat because of globalization, um, it, there is increasingly a disconnect between the gross domestic product growth and the growth of, of wages, especially of low-skilled people. Um, and this is this is kind of the explanation for how um, people like Trump and Sanders have both become such phenomenon, despite the fact that, you know, the establishment of both parties don't like either of those guys. So this is there. This is um, this is something that people like myself who want to conserve our system, who want to conserve democracy and want to conserve capitalism need to take very seriously. Also, let's take well, we need to take it seriously, because if we don't then we're going to lose those things. We're going to lose democracy and we're going to lose capitalism because if the average person is getting really far left behind, then the revolution will come. And yes, I know, I get it. Like a few crazy people with semi-automatic guns stockpiled are not going to be over, able to overthrow the government. That's true. But, but one Russian president did. Well, what will, ha what will happen is that they will keep voting for lunatics like Trump. And then over time, our democracy will be corroded from the top down and we will become a banana republic. That's, that's the real danger. And, and honestly, to, to your point, I mean, that's already happening right now. It absolutely is. So like, and, and, and I think the alarming thing is like back in, Greg and I talk about this all the time. Back in 2015, I, you know, we made a bunch of predictions, right? After getting some of the news, we said like, honestly, like it totally checks out. Every, we've been talking about the Russia stuff long before everyone, you know, everyone else was because, I mean, the second that they raided uh, 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 Deutsche Bank and the Panama Papers came out, that was the same week, right? Trump's name is in there 3,000 times. We started making all these predictions. It's 100 times worse than what I predicted, and I was being very pessimistic. 
Like it just, there is, there is no bottom whatsoever and it's happening way, way faster than I ever would have thought. So, and this is, I don't think we can say this enough. Like the reason why I think we're so freaking out about, about Yang, it's, it is the 180 that would actually get us on a track to actually start serving uh, uh, the society and the people that, that we want to actually serve and, and, and protect the actual system itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I want to be really clear. Like, I, the status quo is doing well for me. The status quo is doing well for a lot of people. Um, I reject the idea that globalism is bad. Um, if you really dial down and spend time talking to Trump supporters long term, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll realize very quickly that they know when they say things like, we like that he tells it like it is. They know that's bullshit. They know that he lies as much, if not more than every, definitely more. It's, it's cover for, for him being an asshole. Well, exactly. Or, or, or they'll say, um, you know, they'll, they'll say something like, well, at least he understands that like globalism is a problem. You know what I mean? And then when you start dialing down on it, you'll realize that like really actually all they care about is the nationalism and the authoritarianism. They want an authoritarian nationalist and um, interest in authoritarian nationalism goes up when the average person is feeling threatened. And in the case of uh, white men, they're extra threatened because they're not only losing um, economic well-being, but they're also losing um, socioeconomic status. Because it used to be if you were a working class white man, at least you were still above all the women and all the people of color. Now they're not anymore. Now they're just working class people. Like they don't get a boost for being a dude anymore. They don't get a boost for, <laughs> right. being, yeah. for being white anymore. And that scares yeah. the fuck out of them. I think, it, I think it's important to note that, you know, white male privilege being what it is, when we move towards equality, they will, I say they, like I'm not one of them. Um, some of them actually experience that as a loss and it actually is a loss. Well, and not right? only like, that, a, but it's actually more of, of a loss you know, yeah, unconscious no. authority, all this other shit yeah. or whatever. So like, I, I get uh, one thing I wanted to mention that the, the, to your point about the rise of, of the sort of demand for authoritarianism, it's not just here, it's everywhere. Um, and if you listen to uh, uh, radio labs, tweak the tweak, the vote, they end up talking about ranked choice voting and a couple other really, really cool things. One of the reasons why we rant about that all the time. Uh, but they spend the first 15 minutes talking about the disconnect that people feel between, you know, elected officials and, and uh, uh, the results that actually come through. It doesn't matter what side of the, the, the sort of uh, ideological spectrum you are. There is that disconnect, right? Because if you're not a billionaire, no one, literally no one gives a fuck what you think in, in elected office at all. They, 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 that leads in, inexorably to a rise in polling numbers for people that want an authoritarian uh, uh, leader, which is fucking nuts. And we've seen where that goes, right? Like, yeah. every, like we have to stop that. We have to stop that, which is why things well, like the yeah, American exactly. card can know, actually start bringing trust back into the equation, which you know, I think is the actual real antidote to this. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the main reason for supporting this. Also, something else to keep in mind is – you know, people like myself who advocate for the separation of, of the state and business um, will say things like, well, the government should be making policies without really having any concern for the market. Like they shouldn't be they shouldn't be hostile to the market, but they also shouldn't be setting policy because it's good for the market. Right. And so the GD, the GDP thing, the fact that we've been focusing on GDP, we're already kind of breaking that rule. <laughs> right. And that's something we've been doing for a long time. And you could actually argue that the fact that um, that growth of the of, of the of GDP has gotten ta- has has um, taken precedence over other aspects that are also important in the market is actually a side of the fact that a side effect of the fact that the government has been too involved for quite a while because the government has been actively pushing policy to maximize GDP at all costs. 
that was a government choice that yep. we made. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, what cool, Yang's right? saying is that's interesting. Like at a minimum, the government should like take a look at the whole picture, but really also if the government were to just be neutral, they would be closer to what Yang's proposing in, in all honesty, because if the government were being neutral, then the market would actually work better. We, 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 we have, a, we have a, a market where the government has been pushed inexorably toward one specific goal at the cost of every other part of the market. So that, that, that's actually a, a government intervention problem. Okay, so what's the next thing he's going to do? Uh, let these numbers set our policy focus to set goals against them, which basically just reiterates everything you just said. Um, task government departments with improving performance against various new measurements, which is like saying the same thing again. Uh, but a little bit more specifically, uh, ensure that income and wealth inequality do not continue to grow in America by adopting universal basic income of 1K per month per adult. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, America's scorecard. And of course, he's talked about, uh, uh, you know, bringing a, 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 a PowerPoint presentation to his uh, uh, like yearly addresses. Um, and I mean, that's just, it's just clutch, you know, because like, and I, I, and this is the thing I absolutely, and this comes back to the trust thing when we're getting to get elected, he would absolutely have this American scorecard thing done the first week. Cause it's something that he can do the first week. Um, during his inaugural, it would be organized around improving these things and talking to the people that are actually going to be, uh, 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 having, uh, the ability to get an actual number, which is the first goal, right? First goal is find out where you are. Set goals for that. And his first year will literally just be a, this is how we did right? Up, down, sideways, whatever it is. Um, and it would change the conversation in America forever, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Part of the problem we have is that there's also a lot of cynicism. Um, you know, people will say things like, well, yeah, Trump's lying all the time, but everybody lies, right? Or, or, or oh, my, fa my favorite is um, he's going to drain the swamp, right? Oh, he's going to get out all the crooks, right? I mean, like, he's literally the most corrupt president in American history. Like, he's, he's yep. just, he's, his entire administration is nothing but crooks. <laughs> it's just real, it's just, he, he filled the swamp with, like, it's like, it's not just alligators anymore. It's like fucking dinosaurs. You know what I mean? Well, he's, he's playing, he's playing off people's, uh, you know, fears and all, you know, the whole, the whole time, right? So whether it's, whether it's drain the swamp, like build the wall was just a thing. Cause it got cheers from fucking racists. So now he said it, now he's stealing money from the military to build a fucking wall. Nobody wants or needs like it just, it, it's all the same, right? It's, it's literally back to that, the, your point where anything that causes a reaction from the crowd, he's going to triple down yeah. on that. Cause that's really all he wants is the reaction from the crowd. And it's worth noting who is in that crowd, right? Because it's not conservatives. Conservatives, by definition, are people who want to conserve the status quo. They want to conserve, at, the, at a minimum, aspects of the status quo. The last thing they want is a radical set of policies. Okay? So no Republican in office. Almost no Republican in office is a conservative by that measure. Well, it kind of depends on what you mean. I mean, um, in a way, what Mitch McConnell is doing is kind of, it's just like a very... Absolutely not. Well, let me finish my point. Okay. I'm, like, <laughs> Sorry, I'm I not... totally interrupted. I yeah, apologize. Yeah, yeah. That was shitty. That's fair. No, I mean, I'm not necessarily, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not defending Mitch McConnell, but I think like, I mean, obstructing change, that's a fairly conservative thing, actually, right? Destroy the saying, Senate. I keep saying like, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to change our system, I'm not going to make it easy for you. You're really going to have to work on that, right? Destroy every moray in the Senate. Every, si every single 
sort of like gentleman, gentle lady agreement that made the Senate work. Mitch McConnell has taken a fucking giant shit. Oh yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single one of them. I see where you're right? going. He's yeah. he's changed U.S. government more radically than Trump has, arguably. He okay. literally yeah. said, "Hey, for a year and a half, you can't have any Supreme Court justices in any way, shape, or form because you're black." I mean, president. Right. And we're like we're in an election cycle has already said that he would gladly put in two before the end of this uh, coming year and then put in absolutely radical anti uh, uh, women's rights judges. Right. Like there's 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 a there's a preserving um, nothing. Yeah, there's a tension there. Like, I mean, like the the Republican Party has had a problem, has had a problem um, for a long time. Trump is um, just the um, apotheosis of it. Good word. Yeah, but like the, the 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 thing is like in the case of in the case of Mitch McConnell, you could at least tangibly make an argument that maybe he's he's like desperate times call for desperate measures. The country's changing too fast. I have to really work really hard on obstructing all of this stuff. Whereas what Trump's doing is he's literally taking a sledgehammer to our government in a major way, not just norms, our government. Okay, he's not. I mean, he he is <laughs> he's going to destroy our democracy. If we, if we, if we keep him going, that is not something. And, and, and the way he talks like Mitch McConnell, at least knows how to talk like a conservative, the way Trump talks. And this is where I was getting at in his, in his uh, speeches, the way he talks to his mob is, Oh, the establishment is bad. The status quo is bad. America is losing this. It's losing that. And, and so literally every conservative who's listening to that man talk is thinking, what are you talking about? This is a wonderful place to live. This is an incredible country. I'm doing great. My kids are in an amazing college. My 401k is doing great. I think Obama's pretty damn conservative. He turned around the economy. Everything's going great. Who is this fucking lunatic? Here's the thing. And then he got elected. He got elected, not by conservatives. At the very most, 20% of Republicans. Because I've been saying for a long time. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Republican, you are either rich or fucking stupid. That, yeah. And I've never seen anything to prove that wrong. Like, not one time. Yeah, no, and, and also a lot of conservatives exist in the Democratic Party as well, because the Democratic, we've talked about this before, yeah. so we don't have to go into it a lot, but, like, the Democratic Party is pretty far right. I mean, not far right, but, like, they're center right. Yeah. And, and, and the global, and the global I think they have been for a long time. Yeah, you know, and so, like, you know, Clinton is more conservative than Sanders by a lot, right? <laughs> yeah yang is more conservative than sanders clinton and yang are more conservative than trump so That's, yeah so like this like but we have to keep in mind that there's a difference between the average voter right there's the average voter and then there's the party establishment and the elites and what the parties actually want to accomplish yeah and, and so yeah there's a massive disconnect in both parties on that okay so what's our second policy <laughs> rant over uh so prosperity grants in order to foster investment in the community the federal government should give each working age american 100 bucks per year to donate to a 501c3 nonprofit. this would funnel approximately 20 billion to local nonprofits, and it can easily be paid for by reducing the tax credit for itemized donations to a maximum of 22 percent with a floor of 500 for itemized deductions so literally changes like creates agency this goes back to trust and, and yeah. connection again right so he completely totally uh, uh uh changes the way that each individual is able to because like i know exactly the charities that everybody in my sphere would be working with locally right um and but that you know goes to to whatever people want to do you it's a use it or lose it kind of thing right but it means that suddenly every human being in America has to think like, who do I want to serve? Who is serving the community the most? And let me give a little bit of money to them. And then in the same tiny paragraph pays for it. 
Yeah, no, completely. And this is this is a, a nonprofit version of his democracy dollars policy, mm. right? The democracy dollars policy is you know every American gets a hundred bucks um, that they can tax free that they the only thing they can use it for is to donate to a candidate yeah. um, that they support. They, um, don't you that's think good, this that's is pretty radical though? We'll go. What was that? Sorry, don't you think this is pretty radical though? Not in the least. No. no really? No. Well, okay, so allow me, allow me to clarify this, because this is actually starting to bother me. <laughs> I love our listeners, and most of them are amazing, but every now and then somebody says something that makes me want to pull out my hair if I had any. <laughs> and now you know why he doesn't have any hair. Yeah, no, right? Because I pulled it all out in my 20s. All right. Uh, but no, seriously, you know, I say something like, I don't think that progressive and conservative are opposites. I believe people should be both progressive and conservative. I think that sounds pretty damn moderate. That should be something that people can get behind, right? And what they're saying to me is they're turning around and saying, no, no, I want to be radical, right? Because I'm not distinguishing conservative from progressive. I'm saying the opposite. Words have to have opposite set freaking meanings, okay? The opposite of conservative isn't progressive. So what is it? The opposite is radical. And, 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 and there, you know, there's a strong philosophical argument, which I've made a few times on this show, for that case, right? If being conservative is about conserving things, then it would make sense that being that the opposite of that would be people who are just like tearing things down. Right. Yeah. And there are times when you need to tear society down and start over again. This is not one of them. Okay. Like radical change in politics would be getting away from democracy. Do you want that? Um, is citizens United radical? Okay. Well, you're, you're answering a question with a question. I'm just saying like, no, no, no. I, I, I'll make a statement, but I would like to hone. Okay. Well, here's, for, okay. Again, like, you use, you use the proper definition of words, which is not the culturally loaded version of all these words, which is why this issue exists. Right. Well, so but like when people hear, on the internet that, that use the words the way you do would agree with everything that you just said. Right. But like if even before, before I actually the conversations with you, okay. you said, you know, conservative progressive to me, those are politically loaded terms. I would have been offended if you just suggested for a second that I'd be conservative because I watched all the Kavanaugh hearings. Right. So yeah, even, I hear even, you. Yeah, like 90% of people out there have the, 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 the team and tribal identifiers loaded and you can't just tell them they're wrong for using that when you're in the minority. Right. And I'm not I like I would love to magically transform everyone. And I think this is an important conversation because I would love to think of conservatives as being these people that want to conserve things and people like me who want to change things. And like the people yeah. that want to be radical for the same reason that that, you know, people are, are leaning towards authoritarianism. Shit's not working for 50 percent of the country. Well, it's not working for them as much as they would like. Um, Interesting like, way to put that. Well, <laughs> I mean, okay, let, let me, let, it, 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 to me, it, it depends on what people's motives are and it depends on what they're trying to do as to whether okay. or not I'm going to support them, okay? Mm -hmm. I can have a lot of sympathy for somebody if they're going to be reasonable about it, right? If somebody says like, hey, look, I'm really struggling. You've got extra money. Could you please help me out? I'm going to be a lot more sympathetic to that person than if they pull a gun on me and say, give me your wallet, right? The That's... latter is more radical. Okay, um... When it comes to when it comes to systemics, because like I they, like <laughs> it comes down to the fact that okay, rich people have been getting richer for the last fifty years at minimum income inequality skyrocketing, right? And then from from our like fantastic vantage point, we get to say things like, "Oh, poor people, you need some help." They don't need fucking help. They need a system that wasn't designed to fuck them in the face. 
over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And so like the, the, the desire to change that a lot is what I think people are talking about when they, when they talk about radical change and it shouldn't be. And Yang, like, I agree, like, yeah, these things shouldn't be radical. They should be obvious. Right. But I think where, where you're heading and and we've talked about this before and, and please tell me if I'm wrong. There are some people that, that it, you know, are in the conversations that, that you have online that are actually talking about violence. In the and, moving forward group. That's yeah. the, that's, I was about to say, is one, there are a few yeah. things that are fundamental differences between the two of us. And yeah. part of the reason the show works is because we are different when push comes to shove. If we were the same, it would be kind of boring, right? Um, it'd be like a very masturbatory show. All right. <laughs> By the way, most politics yeah. shows are. It's like, let's get five people who all agree with each other to talk for an hour. Like, that's boring as fuck, right? Um, also, it's, arguing and shouting with it at each other for no reason is also boring, right? What's interesting is when people disagree but can be civil about it, right? Amen. Well, and, and our, that, the idea that we're constantly looking for consensus, I think, is, is – yeah. that's, and that's a, hard, that's a hard rule. Like, you guys have no idea how much we talk about this behind the scenes, right? Because, like, you know, I've been, I've been arguing with conservatives and Republicans my whole fucking life, right? And I'm sure that Rio has been arguing with assholes like me for his whole life. But that, no, that one no. – I don't believe I really not. I, I, I don't think I've argued with very many people like you at all. So, so part well, of, I'm half horse. So that makes sense. I, mean, that's, <laughs> I am a unique of, flower. Well, you're a very reasonable person, right? Like, okay. So part of the problem is just the internet itself. Cause mm-hmm. it's hard to read tone of voice online. Twitter is set up in such a way that in order to be successful on Twitter, you have to say like short bumper sticker statements then, and the more extreme it sounds, the better because people will retweet it. They don't, nobody wants to retweet something that's like nuanced and you can't even fit nuance in a tweet anyway. Right. right? Yeah. So like just that, 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 that whole mode of communication is garbage. It's only useful, like follow us on Twitter so that you know when an episode comes out. (laughs) Yeah. Do not have conversations on Twitter. It is a total fucking waste of time. It's actually worse than a waste of time. It's making this. It's making the conversation toxic. It's making it worse. Honestly, I really believe that. All right, but like Corey, one of the things that's different about us um, is that you, I think, you really want to give the benefit of the doubt to people. And this might actually get to the heart of the difference between like a, a conservative and a progressive. And again, I don't really see them as opposites. Okay, I see them as being like on a spectrum. Right. That makes and sense. Some people are more conservative than others. Some people are more progressive than others, right? Sure. And, 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 and it's society to function, you kind of need people all over that spectrum participating in the conversation. That's a healthy thing. Um, even, even like, you know, like really super old cranky people who are incredibly stubborn, who don't, don't want any change at all, yeah. they have a perspective that's worth hearing. And the young people who are like super naive and optimistic and they're like, oh, we, we, we can change the whole world. Every, every new generation thinks they can change the world. Those people are important too, right? But like as people grow up and become more mature and before like Alzheimer's sets in, we, we, we wind up somewhere in the middle most of the time, right? So I'm closer to the conservative side. You're closer to the progressive side. But part of what's different between the conservative and the progressive mindset, which kind of coexists in, all, in everybody, Part of what's different is the progressive wants to believe what's good. They want to believe that like deep down the average person is just a good person and that they don't really want to hurt anybody and there's no such thing as evil. I hear that all the time, right? Now, I'm not saying that's true about you. I'm saying that would be like the extreme of the progressive side, right? And then the conservative okay. side is like... I mean, there's an argument for that. I don't know that it's connected. But, hey, sorry, go ahead. Well, I think that they... Well, you don't have to agree with me, but let me, let me finish my, my point. Yeah, so conservative, conservative, on the other hand, is much more skeptical. They're going to say like, oh, I, I don't really think that the average person is all that bright. I really think that like when the average person 
fails to succeed, it probably is because they have some responsibility there. Maybe it's not just because the system screwed them over, right? Yeah. Or if somebody commits an act of terrorism, maybe it's not just because America is evil and they hate America. Maybe it's because they're a fucking terrorist son of a bitch. You know what I mean? And so there's just different ways of looking at it. And like some people are just interesting. bad people. Okay, <laughs> you know? here's, here's the way I would do that. Well, in both like, those things, I actually, denying any responsibility me, with both of them. Right, right, right. But you always ask me to use a specific example. So yes, I, I can get a little abstract sometimes. Right? No. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Specific example. Yeah, so well, like, so I was talking about people who, I was complaining about how people who, people who want things to be radical, right? And you were saying, well, if they understood what you meant by the word radical, they wouldn't have an issue with it. That was an example of you trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But that's actually not true. In a lot of cases, they want actual radical right? They want yeah. the definition of radical that I'm saying. Some people want to violently, violently overthrow the government. Yeah, and fuck those and people. I, I mean, that's, say, yeah. yeah, I don't support that. And no. I think that the prisons exist exactly for people like that, frankly. <laughs> All right, what's the third policy, buddy? <laughs> that's aggressive. Uh, so, um, no, is, it, is it aggressive? I mean, if someone's I, going no, around to me, they go like, like that guy in the moving forward, that guy in the moving forward group who wants violent revolution. I mean, that guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Number one, and number two, like that guy should be in jail. Like, wait, what? <laughs> it's it's a little aggressive. No, if 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 anybody actually starts doing anything that gets toward really truly doing violent revolution, yeah, no, those people yes. and, and, and like the FBI take is revolution out of the word. Yeah, they'll go to prison. They take should. revolution out of the word. Yeah. If you're planning anything violent, you go to jail. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, if you're calling, if you're calling electing, you know, like some people have said, you know, Yang is like the revolution of reason. Okay. That is not the same thing. That's using the word revolution as a colorful fucking metaphor. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm well, talking no. about people actually taking up arms against the government right. or randomly killing people because they think, oh, those elites are not innocent. Right. So the vast, vast, vast majority of Bernie Sanders supporters use the word revolution in exactly that benign way. Well, except it's less benign in his case because Sanders' policies are terrible. But okay, we're moving on. But that's, that's, a, that's I mean, that's, that's a you feeling. Well, and again, like- well, no, I mean, you don't have to agree, but I'm just saying like, say, I, yeah, I'm, all for, I'm all for a revolution of reason. I'm not yes, for a revolution amen. of unreason. And, and it really, like, exa exactly. Like the, the, and it's <laughs> like the democratic socialist thing. Not good branding. It's just not good. Anyway, uh, so um, <laughs> just to finish off the, uh, the other thing, and then we got about five minutes to do the last one. Uh, as President Andrew Yang will, and this is on prosperity grants, direct the IRS to create a prosperity grant program. Each year at the beginning of the uh, year, Americans would receive 100 bucks that could only be donated to a 501c3 institution through the same mechanism that they receive the Freedom Dividend Universal Basic Income. Um, honestly, that is just rife and perfect for, for uh, a blockchain setup so you can program the money. Work with Congre uh, Congress to change the tax code to account for prosperity grants. It's basically like the guy's just got a plan. Um, so American Mall Act. Uh, malls used to be a hub for socialization and commerce in many American communities. They were where families would go shopping for school supplies before getting shot uh, uh, by an asshole in Air 15. What? Uh, so they would go uh, uh, to school supplies before grabbing dinner and catching a movie. Teens would have their first jobs working retail there and spend their Friday nights with friends. A local mall was an economic boon. Um, as e-commerce takes over a large share of the retail market, many malls are closing down. 300 malls will close in the next four years, and hundreds more will struggle. The windows shuttered, the doors locked, and the building abandoned. This sends a negative signal that the economy of the area is suffering. It also attracts criminal elements who can squat in and vandalize these empty buildings without much interest from local law enforcement. Uh, these giant spaces need to be revitalized in order to spur investment in the local economy and combat the suburban 
blight associated with the closing of a mall. Um, so as president, Andrew Yang will sponsor the American Mall Act, securing a $6 billion fund to help struggling malls attract businesses, schools, organizations, and entrepreneurs to find new uses for the buildings and commercial spaces. Um, yeah, that's actually, uh, I, I would love it if they copied it here in Newport Ritchie. The downtown for, for Newport Ritchie was, was just a, a hollowed out shell, right? It was basically like the main street version of an empty mall uh, for about uh, 10 years. Um, and, you know, it's, it's basically because they, they, you know, the, the way the laws were set up, they couldn't get any new businesses in. It was really, really annoying. So they basically said, okay, listen, we're going to have, uh, 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 I think they did 80-20. So, it, you know, if you, if you get your uh, uh, business idea uh, and you, you, know, you rent a space, they would help you renovate the interior of that space uh, to the tune of, you know, 80% as long as you put up the 20%. Um, and it, it, like in less than a year and a half, completely transformed the downtown core. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, that kind of thing is something where, where it's just, it's, it's really worth local yeah. communities and the federal government to be thinking in, in, in those terms. Uh, uh, cause it just, you know, it shores up the, everything that he just finished talking about, like the, the, it's not going to have economic blight, all these other kinds of things, but can actually like, we bought a house down here explicitly because they just did that. Right. And you know, our, our, the, the you know, property value is only going up. So Good that's shit. great yeah so there you go that's a good american capitalist good job Corey. boom <laughs> um no i mean yeah so so like having having these policies that he has like the american mall act six billion dollars is a very small amount of money the u.s government wastes way more money than that on all kinds of things we probably don't need to do yep um yeah no this would be money very well spent and in large part because it would be a boom to to like local economies that really need it right and I, this actually relates to something that i wanted to say about something you said earlier Corey, which is that um you said the the problem is that there's a system set up that's fucking him in the face quote horse right there's a system set up that's fucking him in the face you said i the system was not set up for the purpose of fucking those people in the face what happened was the system was set up before ai and automation became a thing heck the system was set up before the industrial revolution right Mm -hmm. and so it's just that, like we have to keep tweaking the system in order to accommodate for thing changes that the people who set the system up couldn't have foreseen right? mm -hmm. the so entire that, education system designed in the 18th century was to make cogs in a machine and to never pay them one dime more than necessary to make the most money possible capitalism is not perfect the system is literally designed to keep people poor well, okay, no, that I, I I reject that because you're talking about you're first of all you're equating the specific economics or excuse me the specific education system that we have right now with capitalism. And there's nothing about capitalism that says we have to have that kind of education system. No, but that's what also, happened. By the way, by design, capitalism, and they're not educating people to be entrepreneurs, and they never have. Yeah, they're but educating before, people to be cogs in a machine, and that machine. The, is basically, you know, it was the bureaucratic, and this started with, with the English, right? It was basically creating bureaucratic uh, uh, things because they needed a giant uh, uh, number of people that can, like, write in a ledger to actually do that stuff. At no point were they teaching entrepreneurialism, right? There, 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 there is absolutely no sense whatsoever of, and, we're, and it's changing a little bit now, but there, and there hasn't been for 200 years, of creating more wealth through education, right? They're literally making janitors and auto mechanics. Right. Who, by the way, can create wealth? Like, okay, you have a in the fifties, maybe. You invest in it, it's, right? it's the thing. Like, I, I love that. I love that 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 used to be true, but now. Right, so, Corey, Corey, my my wife went to public schools. Okay. Okay. Um, and 
her dad went to public schools and her mom went to public schools. Yeah. So like my, yeah, my family went to private schools, right? Yeah. So like, you know how it was before capitalism, it would have been my wife's family would still be poor and, and my family would still be rich because I would have literally been part of the only what 5% of the population that even got an education okay. at all. So right? we're, and, we're saying and that's possible. Way, and I, and I agree with you. Lots of people go to public high schools, get good grades, get a good score on the SAT. This was Yang's trajectory. Yeah. Good scores on the SATs go to a nice college and they become very successful. So that right. does happen. I, I, I agree that it is possible for you to win the lottery. Right. That's not and, winning and the I, lottery. And, That's just- and, I, and I also, I also agree that if you do nothing but, but work from the bottom, that you can change that. The system itself is not specifically designed to encourage that for, well, and- for the entire population. Right. It's not, we need to tweak it around the edges so that it works better at doing that. But before capitalism, and you agreed with this on a previous episode. Oh, no, no, no. That's the thing. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, destroy capitalism. Yeah. Right? That's feudalism not what I'm saying at all. Literally, right. Feudalism was literally a system where it was literally like, if you were born into that class, you stayed in that class, you died in that class. Right? Yeah. Well, and here's I always wondered why people who were lower class had kids under those systems. Under, I don't know why they have kids nowadays. Like, it's just, if exactly. you really believe that there's no upward like, mobility... Well, no, here's the thing, <laughs> like w- going from that, which is like zero uh, a- a- economic mobility whatsoever to a system where there's five or 10% uh, potential for economic mobility at probably the most, right? Like 90% of people are going to die in the economic strata in which they were born. What I'm saying is we have 90% of room to improve capitalism right now. We, and human no, capitalism and, yang and everything else is yeah. all about that. I'm not saying yeah. throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right, I'm saying right. that like right now, the the capitalist system as designed is designed to keep the vast majority of people in the uh, position that they were, that they were I, in. And I, I'll tell you this, and we got to go pretty soon. And we're yeah. just, I'm gonna, just going to drop this bomb and then we're going to run. It was right. intentional and scene. All right. So uh, we actually have a, uh, we can talk about that. Wait, wait, yeah. What about, wait, uh, we're still recording, Corey. We are still recording. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we got to go do another uh, thing. That for a second. Oh. Okay. So, we're going to like productive disagreement is good. Productive yes, disagreement is. is good. So for the sake of productive disagreement, I will agree with you that our system, I'm not going to call it our capitalist system because our system is more than just capitalist. True. Our system needs to be improved so that, it, so that that works better for more people. I completely agree with that. There's a lot of different ways of doing it. And yep. one of the ways of doing it is that is to not tax the hell out of people as they finally start to find a little success. Imagine if as people moved up the economic ladder, follow me here, Corey. Imagine if as people moved up the economic ladder and they get a better job and now they're making a little more money, instead of the government saying, great, now we're going to take $2,000 a month from your paycheck instead of $1,000 a month. What if the government said, we're going to let you keep that money so you can invest it and buy a house. That's how you build wealth. Taxing the middle class is, if you want to talk about something systemically preventing people from moving up the economic ladder, that is doing it. Well, this, this goes to like creating a hard ceiling and a hard floor, I think would be really interesting. Right. So the, the, and, and wherever we decide, cause I think, you know, uh, uh, we agree on an aspirational middle-class, not actually on where it, it exists now, depending on the definition, but like having, you know, if you, again, whatever it is, right. If you make uh, as a family less than say 70,000 a year, you get taxed nothing. Um, and anything over 10 million, you get taxed almost everything. Right. Or 25 or fucking whatever it is. Yeah, right? no, like, no, I mean, uh, that would actually be a huge improvement. Absolutely. Like, I mean, right now the burden falls primarily on working people to pay for everything in our government, including yeah. the subsidies for rich people. 
Yeah, which messed so, messed so, up. Like, so it's not just capitalism that's holding people back. It's also social de- social democratic policies like high taxation. You know, so we've got to we've got to we've got to if we're if we're going to have a productive disagreement, let's talk about ways of moving the needle. You like that term, right? I do like. And let's that. be open to ways of moving the needle, even if they go against our preconceptions. And I think that yeah. If I didn't agree with that, then you should just like, Andrew Yang is our fucking taco, dude. And scene. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Uh, we are so excited to be bringing this to you, and we're so excited about the uh, the awesome community, the Yang Gang that's growing up around the candidacy uh, of Andrew Yang. Uh, if you could please tag us on Twitter with the hashtag Moving Forward Pod and uh, find and join the Moving Forward podcast uh, group on Facebook. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.